It's Stompface, the Violence King. You're listening to the MEP Report. Enjoy, or I punch you. Let my home back in Omaha. See if I can make it out in the world. And I got as far as Wichita. Suddenly I wasn't sure anymore. Lost all my friends in Los Angeles. I'm not welcome in New York But I must stop back in Omaha Where the fans, they always crying out for All right, in that case, welcome to Map Report number 100, December 24th, 2007. And we want to say welcome not only to the audio audience, but to the video audience, because we actually have our camera going. That is the special little, uh, you know, trick that we played on this one, because it is our 100th show. Did somebody actually request this? (laughs) No. So we had to get Russ to put his pants on, because usually he does this in the nude. Right. I like it unfettered. They claim that... (laughs) They claim the sports center guys are like that. Like they have suits, you know, from the top up, but right. down it's just all, you know, mm-hmm. naked and all that stuff. So uh, we want to welcome everybody and thank everyone for listening to us for a hundred shows. We started this over two years ago now, and uh, we're at a hundred, and that's I don't know what to make. What do you guys think of this milestone? A hundred shows, a lot of meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> But you could probably eat 100 meatballs, actually, Russ, if anyone could do it. In way less than two years. (laughs) That's probably true. Um, It would probably take you the rest of the two years to recuperate, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Intestinal holes in the wall. (laughs) But um, so we want to thank everybody for sticking with us that long. We really appreciate it. And uh, we want to welcome Russ out here. Russ uh, arrived for uh, a wedding and now is uh, doing the whole family thing, hanging out with people. He came to hang out with his friends. We're very privileged. And this actually, I was going to say this marks, but I guess it's true. This really marks the first time that all three MEP reporters have been in the room at the same time recording. That's right? clearly not true. <laughs> not even close. He means current MEP reporters. Current MEP reporters. He's going to get all true. What did we do in September? No, but that was but was with Story? No, I was here in September. Yes, you he's were, saying, but, but Story was still technically Story a member not here. at the Not time. in September. He quit before that. No, I don't think we so. We did all of September without Story. I don't think. It was, it was just you and me? Doing no, it during the that three time? of us. The three of us picked up at that We've, time? I mean, look. I thought you were in the guest... <laughs> Cleo was still in the guest star role. Clearly, the three of us have mepped before from here. Well, at yes. At least once before. Yes, yes. We have. Possibly yes. twice. But I mean, you know, as the official cast, you know, the official... This is less and less special. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. This marks one time of many that three of us have been in the same room. Thanks for your support. This is the final MEP report. We'd like to thank everyone. It's very special. It's the day before Christmas Eve. That's right. It's Eve's Eve. Eve's Eve. Eve. No, it's officially now. It's 1224. So oh, yeah. it's Eve. officially it's Eve. Uh, Christmas it's Eve. Eve. Right, right. Yep. So, uh, okay. yeah, so that's so that's the case. And Send. Russ has finally gotten a day off of Boing Boing. So congratulations, Russ. You're actually... Thank you. How does it feel not to work? It for, feels great. Well, actually, you're working now, but you know what I mean. Like, not to, not to work at the Boing Boing level. Uh, Do you know what makes me really feel great, Greg? What's that? It's the dulcet tones of the problem in the middle, the middle space. The yeah, why don't mass. you tell us about it, Russ? Well, Roman theater borrowed a significant amount from the theater of the ancient Greeks, mm. and to some degree, 
Hmm. Roman Theo. The- <laughs> Roman Theodor. You should have chosen a, word, a sentence that you knew. Probably. It says that in the book, by the way. It says Roman Theodor. Roman Theographers, <laughs> which were known at the time as having written many religious texts, probably also took their cues of Greek audiences as to how they should behave. Can you skip to the picture? As There's a picture? <laughs> I gave Russ this yes. book for his Christmas slash Hanukkah slash present. So this is his gift. It's there. my book, my first book that I ever wrote. We found the pictures. Which was published two months ago. Illustration. And he flipped right two. to the pictures, <laughs> which is not too easy to find in a book One of them three. is of a gazebo. It's like, this <laughs> is a, like gazebo, a gazebo, and it was very important in the olden times of the court mask. Let me tell you what. People lived in gazebos. <laughs> Whole families, clans, there was warfare, city-states, there were gazebo city-states. Yeah, let me see that for a second. We Sometimes can actually hold this up because the visuals. So you would see each- Oh my god, there's a camera there. <laughs> Buy this. Buy this press near you. You know what's this funny about this, camera. though, is that those illustrations, sure. you have to get permissions, and the academic world, which is approximately the slowest moving world in the universe of the many worlds that there are, the getting permissions is like this impossible mixture of detective work and it's like cold case but boring you know Mm -hmm. because you have to find who published this stuff back in 1970 whatever the heck and by that point they've gone out of print or like the rights revert I went through like five sub authors until like some old man in the basement like yes I gave permission for that in 1958 you may have it young man Mm -hmm. and you know like it's it's and you have to do it or you'll get sued I think that's what we should call 2000 you know how like no one knows what to call the years of 2000 because there was the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. That we should call it the whatever. What did you just say? 1970, whatever was the whatever it was. The whatever it was. 1970, whatever it was. I remember it well. <laughs> it was the sixth whatever it was. <laughs> Twenty whatever it was. Yeah, absolutely. The economy was collapsing. <laughs> War. When was, when was the economy not collapsing? But liminal space was strong. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There was much of it. So, yeah, so that's out. And uh, the other news is that um, my first fiction book is going to be published. I got an offer to publish it from Five Star Press, which is a division of Thompson Gale. Yeah. So, Greg's so on that's fire. Cool. So I'm, I'm on the publication. It's on a freaking roll. So that's oh, cool. Babies. So. I'm excited about that. And, uh, yeah, all of us have had this professional uh, boost. You know, Clea's comedy career is going really well, and Russ is, like, super boing-boing ultimate producer guy now, and everyone knows that Russ is, like, you and Aaron Spelling, right? You are, like, the mm-hmm. two big shots in Hollywood. Only in Japan. <laughs> that exist. <laughs> super boing-boing ultimate producer, director, writer, audio guy, go! <laughs> da na na Is it, is, is there one country... supervisor of editors. Is US is the USA the biggest country that listens to boing-boing, watches boing yeah, it's yeah. There's no other country that oh, has like an odd spike. You know, like Switzerland loves you for uh, some reason. I honestly don't know that much about the uh, the blogs traffic since I work for the TV now. No, but I'm saying the TV part. Like the TV the- part. Oh yeah, it's predominantly American. That's what we're shooting for the demographic. You know, unless there happens to be like some alcove of furries somewhere like overseas when they see the furries episode and they're like, oh, that's furries. You know. I'm sorry, furries? You know, the people that dress up in the animal costumes to, you know, complete their emotional states, so to speak? Uh, Come on, you guys don't know what furries are? People who dress up in, like, fox costumes and pig costumes and hippopotamus costumes and have sex? Uh, Really? I know of bears in the gay community. Bears? Why do I think everyone's heard of these guys? I know of bears. There was an Entourage episode about furries where, like, some woman wanted Turtle to get into a pink bunny suit that he met off of Craigslist. Ah. Really? All right. (laughs) 
The point is, we didn't like break this to the world. It wasn't like nobody knew, and then we inflicted Come furries on, upon Russ. like the internet. We invented it, made a show, showed everybody uh, furries, furries. A people? member of furry fandom? Oh, my God. I really hate to be teaching people about this. It feels wrong. <laughs> well, there's a bit for furries. Just mentioning it offhandedly. Yeah, that's what the internet has, like, grown this whole subculture of people who used to do things in their basement but now meet out in public because of the internet, and there's so many of okay, them. Okay, the largest furry group is in West Virginia. Exactly. I think that... Ooh, there's the Seattle <laughs> area furries. All right, let's check that one out. So, wait, I, but it's called Fur Life? One of them is. The Meet Seattle for- version is. Are you sure this is all a sex thing? Yes. But this... W- but They like to... It's not just animals. It's like cartoon plush animals and anime characters. Wait, go back, and- Lee. Go back. Click click back for a second. There's one... The dude- caption on that picture does not suggest anything about sex. It says, uh, the big children fun that can be had in costume, romping and frolicking and such. Well, that's Finally, because I'm-, I'm into the craft side and a regular chance to, to test drive keep me motivated, smiley face. You're telling me that that's about sex? Not that. But that's not <laughs> that might what? be about sex. What do you know, know, Greg? Look it up on Wikipedia. I don't know, which is good, I what guess. Is, what is I don't know about the it. authority on nothing say about this? I thought for sure you wouldn't want to hear what uh, what Wikipedia had to say. Wikipedia speaks for these people. Okay, all right, all right, fine. Furry fandom. Furry fandom is a fandom distinguished by its enjoyment of anthropomorphic animal characters. Examples of anthropomorphism in the furry fandom include the attribution of human intelligence, facial expressions, and often anatomy, speech, bipedalism, and the wearing of clothes to animal characters. Members of this subculture are sometimes known as furry fans, furries, or boing boing TV listeners. Mm. Oh, sorry. Uh, art and entertainment celebrated by furry fandom include fictional work. Okay, so this is a Japanime thing. That's what it is. This yeah. is people who like Pokemon, but they're, 20, they're you know, in their 40s. Yeah. Right? That's what this is? I mean, we can bring up the episode, the mini-docu that we did. You guys can watch it and find out what it is. Uh, I don't think that would make for I'm good TV. just... See, it seems like also sometimes this. This seems like this might be also just another group of people that like to dress up in costumes and have sex with each other. (laughs) (laughs) They have holes cut out of the genitalia of their animal costumes. What? Occasionally. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Scroll down. Scroll down. Scroll down. Wait. 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 Furry lifestyles. An ongoing dispute within the online community. One group has believed that any peripheral interest not directly relating to furry art, literature, and fantasy should not be directly associated with the fandom, while others believe the definition of what constituted furry could often be decided by the individual. Okay, does that not sound like the thing about, like, you can't have a baby, he hasn't got a womb. It's like, all right, I support your right to have babies, if you could have babies. Sex and furry fandom. There Differing approaches to sexuality. Examples of mainstream... Wait, wait. The term yif is most commonly used to indicate <laughs> sexual activity or material. This applies to sexual activity and interaction with the subculture, whether online or offline. It is also applies to sexual arousal and to erotic material causing it. Okay, so these are people who were all ten, still. Prairie and furry. Say that five times fast. <laughs> There was a survey done. The sociology a furry and of, furry survey? No. The sociology <laughs> of furry fandom oh. by David J. Rust. Who likes husky wear. I don't care about Joe. Go back. Who cares about David J. Rust? Which examined the social and sexual attitudes in furry fandom. Yes, what did it find? Encompass interviews. Well, it found that uh, furries report a rather non-judgmental attitude to some Non-judgmental aspects. attitude. Fandom contains a large proportion of people reporting homosexuality, bisexuality, and polyamory. 
or other non-traditional forms of relationship, like getting it on while wearing yeah. a you know horse outfit. Non-traditional forms of bestiality. Forty-eight <laughs> percent reported bisexuality. Eight percent were uncertain. Well, of course they're bisexual. They're all dressing up as unisex animals in like plush <laughs> costumes. It's like you lose gender when you do that. Like you're a chipmunk. I'm a raccoon. I, that's all we need to know. Plush plushophilia is any person who has an attraction towards stuffed animals. This attraction can be sexual. These people, these people are also known as serial killers. <laughs> I mean, plushophobia. In addition, plushophiles are sometimes linked okay, with Okay, quick zoof- question. Filing. Let's say you're a police officer, and you kick in a door, and you see somebody having sex with a plush animal. What do you do? Do you, A, arrest them? B, <laughs> turn around and run screaming into the night? <laughs> C, spray mace? <laughs> D, ask them. Spray base on the animal. Everything. <laughs> Don't you mean no means no, Pooh Bear. No means no. I mean... I think the guy goes in for questioning immediately. But what, what I find us. horrific about this is that... Well, of course, if you type in furry porn, this is going to come up. Oh, my God. Where did... Oh! <laughs> what is that? So, Cleo's just pulled up a website. I should, what? like, focus the camera on oh it, but people can God. just look it up. It's furry... No, it's no, pleasurebonbon.com. Violet is waiting for you what in the striptease theater with a pinup to She's undress. A cartoon. She's not the an only furry hardcore love story in Victorian style. <laughs> what? This is so specific. The hell is I'm going not attracted on. to furries unless they're dressed in an early Victorian style and have weird cartoony faces. What in God's green earth is going on? <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> Do you know how much spyware we've just infected our computer with going through this? It's like pop up, pop up, pop up, pop up. It's like a Sherlock Holmes jackal, and he's going to have sex with. Don't you think a child could stumble on this and not get the point? I mean, like not get the point. I mean, (laughs) like pretty animals. TV show that I watch. Exactly. It looks just like Hello Kitty, but they're naked and doing something to each other. Oh my god! What? Oh my god! Okay, why did Boing Boing not expose, and then, like, is this an expose, like, Geraldo Rivera did to, like, show, like, the terrible, horrible It was actually a documentary that is being filmed that we got, like, a pre-release Oh, there's of. sex! I, I, oh, I, my God. <laughs> what in the name of all... <laughs> The great thing is, Cleo was, like, pointing at the genitalia of, like, the things, and I was still reading the story. And I was like, uh-huh. Wait, but what is Mr. Mr. Bonbon going to do about it? What is he going to do? Right. And then, oh, my Interesting. God. Interesting. Okay. So, I mean, what when you were doing this documentary, did the conclusion you came up with that these people have lost their minds? Like, what? what is... what? Well, what we do is we try very hard yeah, not to make, ridicule yeah, they're groups. They're not going to... Past judgment. Exactly. So we just give you the footage and, you know, let you decide. You can watch with these people how these they justify what they do. Let me decide. rephrase that. Did the people commenting who were laughing their asses off at this, did they comment about how ridiculous this was? No, you found it pretty quickly there. Um, what do you mean the people commenting? You mean that on the thread of the... Yes. There weren't that many comments. It was it, well, There was a big argument, actually, on the thread between furries who feel that they weren't properly depicted and, like, people who thought that they, you know, were being way too sensitive. And there were a lot of strong opinions about this piece, even though the hmm. piece is pretty much straight-up docu. See, here's what I understand. If the furries feel like they're not being... Pro- I mean, like, how it seems to me it would be pretty hard to represent, to misrepresent what a furry is. I mean, like, if you're, if you're wearing... Uh, <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I just, I, we really got to stop doing that. We're watching this part of this clip, and there are these people. I won't even explain what it is. Uh, but because I mean, how, how way, can I mean, you misrepresent it? Like they wear outfits of animal outfits and act weird. How can you misrepresent that? Well, but my thing is that what I mean, nuance are we missing? <laughs> you go to Gen Con. There's gonna be people dressed up in. And how is this really any different from people? watching and being obsessed with like star wars and then Did dressing you just up see the comic that we were reading what <laughs> the comic the graphic reading the graphic art art thing. that with the sex source they, they yeah they, they would do that f- how is that any different from uh, anime it's, just, True. it's not there is a like the golden bikini leia fantasy that people right. love the hell out of and is totally mainstream and was on friends you know in that one episode yeah but i don't see how that's any different that's why it's different. <laughs> That's why it's because it's a guy who had his face modified to look like a lion, and he like intentionally deviated his own septum. There are people that that will grow horns and had whisker implants. They, they, that will they, you cut little piece of your skin, you put in this little um, it's kind of made of plastic or something, probably not plastic, whatever can go underneath. The, they put it underneath the skin, and it slowly but surely. Uh, stretches the skin oh, until they have horns. I mean, it's terrible. I, all sorts of things like that. But I mean, like, <laughs> how, is this all? I mean, like, are we just talking about something? Is this seem as you were watching it, Russ, or as you guys were putting this together? Did it seem harmless, or did it seem very disturbing? I don't it seems to honestly me? any subculture that doesn't involve direct harm where you're not like beating people up or like kidnapping them and raping them or having sex with it's, furry animals. it's harmless i mean i don't see what harm this is causing because these people right. are obviously going to do this whether we have well, the internet or not i'm not saying that it's something that ought to be like forcibly stopped <laughs> like we ought to have cops going around like you get out of that outfit like first of all you'd shut down half the sports mascots in america if you did that true. but I, i'm i'm not saying That's that but question. like but I mean, you know, clearly. Uh, <laughs> now, see, this guy is standing in front, was sitting in front of a cage. I don't like, think it's. I don't think it's un, unheard of to to want to somewhat commune with animals. Yeah, but the, the guy is doing the nasty dance with <laughs> in a bull outfit. Like that's not. It's not commuting. This is not going. This is not. <laughs> I mean, sex is animalistic. This is not born Greg. free, Clea. Like, let's uh, be honest. This, here. I, I find this less weird. That people like dressing up as Klingons and having sex. I mean, I find Why? this less weird because. Why? Because they're dressed up as Disney characters and those are cool and sweet and fun. No, they're dressed up as animals, which are, you know, exist and which we are somewhat connected to as all being, you know, part of this all living on Earth. And animals have sex and, you know. But they're cartoon animals. They only do cart. No, I mean that ant, that lion, that didn't look like a cartoon. Part of it, I guess, for me is that, and this is part of the issue that I have sometimes with aspects of of certain Japanese culture, particularly anime within Japanese culture, is that there is this infantilization going on, right? Where you have all of these people, you have these things that are traditionally associated with young things. I mean, I when I grew up, I had you know stuffed animals, and like I gave Clea stuffed animals and all that stuff. Like it's nothing unusual about that. But it's associated with something younger, and at the point when these people are still wandering around and, like, dressing up in this stuff and then using very adult things to be associated with infantilization, it's like, I guess about, probably about 15 years ago, I'd say, was the first creation of the gang member carrying around the pacifiers. You guys saw these, where you had all these people who would be like they literally were had pacifiers, and the argument well, yeah was it was that big in like in were, the late nineties. Yeah, it wasn't just were, gang members; it was like teens. Everyone was doing. Yeah, it. but it started in gangs, though. Part of it was a was a gang thing, 
And as they were doing this, basically the argument was that they were returning to their young roots. Like they had had to grow up too so fast that this had happened where they had basically had not fully grown up, even though they had technically grown up in this very adult world. Well, that's and so they ended up doing this stuff to kind of compensate. These guys very, talk about that in this very piece. They yeah. say that it's okay for children to dream. It's okay for children to pretend and to have imagination. But when you become an adult, it's inappropriate. And no, so. it's appropriate. Just have an adult imagination. <laughs> or go or go right for Disney. Like, the, you know... There's no reason that you can't do that, but it strikes me that this is a little bit beyond that, no? But, I mean, what are you saying? Like, I don't think any of us think that this is mainstream what we're watching right now. Right. The question is, you know, do, if anything, do you do something? Oh, to no, no, no. People? I'm not saying you should do anything. I mean, especially but- when we saw them, like, the group of them, These are the, they look exactly the same as the people that would be doing <laughs> Renaissance fairs. Yeah, yeah probably. Dungeons or doing the Dungeons & Dragons or doing the, the anime. Yeah, except that we did Dungeons and Dragons and we didn't do that you know and like I have no, no words that's to our dress fetish. up as uh, Halloween costume uh, but I don't even dress up I mean like we occasionally we go to a Halloween party every once in a while and these people don't do it one day a year they do it all the time and they even define themselves as furries. So what's your point? That that's weird? It is weird. There are people, there are quite, I mean, but we aren't someone, I mean, we no, are people that if, define us uh, ourselves as being a part of a group, but there are definitely a lot of people in this world that do. And this is just one group of many. I guess the question would be, is there something that this is reflecting about larger society? Are people gradually being kind of, you know, desperate to return to the to their youth because of how crappy the world has become? Is that what it is? Is just, just the case. You know, is this like 30 years ago, this 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 happened, but we never heard about it? Yeah, because I mean, like, the internet didn't exist. But there are still people dressing up in animal outfits. Always. I think that there are so many aberrations and that nobody would know about them if there weren't uh, an Right, and technology has probably allowed more of them to get access and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that inherently... I don't think the psyche is different. I don't think the psyche is new that would have caused this. I think it's that the access has allowed the, it to manifest in this way. We're all about access here at the Memphis. <laughs> I, I it's do all about a little bit of irony. Since we're all about emus, and we like, cut holes out of the genitalia of our costumes. <laughs> See, that's the funny thing we for don't access. though, right? Yeah, it's for access. Yeah, it's the sexuality part too. That because it's associated with something which is traditionally childlike is a little bit disturbing also. You know, like, and I guess that's the same thing with making cartoon characters into porn stars. Like, I know that that happens, but it's a little disturbing because it's associated with a young thing I mean, being brought it's forward. It's just the same thing. Right. I mean, anime is the same thing. Anime technically is a cartoon, but there's lots of anime, if not maybe the majority of it, right? That's adult anime. It's adult cartoon. Yeah. Right. But the point is that anime often affects a very juvenile style with very adult themes. So you have the huge mega wide eyes and you have the crazy mouth and you have the uh you know and you have the the little you know japanese school girls and the you know and the the kind of goofy humor and the over-the-top stuff associated on top of it with sex you know sexuality heads being cut off you know all that kind i mean of i stuff, think you can go back to the is, ages that people the, humans are always going to idealize youth and so, uh, yes, but that, sexualizing you. Yes, my yes, sexualize, idealize. Yes, mm. smoother skin. I mean, I think that. You oh know, yeah, well, and the Greeks certainly <laughs> idealized youth themselves. Right, exactly. But. Which we don't need to elaborate on because I think we all understand. So I, I don't well, think see, that's a unique. Started, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that's unique. I think this is. The also, gap continued to widen <laughs> in the later Middle Ages, particularly as the more elaborate methods of drama and complex goals of performance yeah. combined with greater actor professionalization uh, and economic incentives to make the profession of actor conceivable. I, I didn't write about furries in, in my book. Um, I, I wish I had known What's it was What's all this so about connected. masks and renaissance? And right, they were in masks, Greg. No, different costume. kind of mask. 
Yes, and they wore costumes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the, it's, it's interesting because one of the reactions, there was uh, one mask, which is called the Mask of Blackness, where the queen uh, had it commissioned and the queen and her waiting ladies dressed up in blackface and uh, came forward. And the whole point of the mask was these were women of Niger who had come to England to be uh, made white by the sun, which was the king. Um, so that was what was going on. But the people in the okay. court were rather horrified. And there's a famous note from one who said, we were sorry to see our courtiers so strangely disguised. Like, basically, they were freaked out. They're like, what the heck are you doing? And that was one of the last masks that Queen Anne was able to commission because the king was like, uh, no, you're not doing that again. So definitely, there were people being freaked out. And that was because of the appeal of the exotic and that. Uh, certainly, there's some stuff going on there, too. Little has changed. But, you know, except that they didn't dress up in fox outfits and... Also doesn't make any sense because the sun makes you darker, not lighter. Well, but he was so bright that he would burn them white. The, <laughs> the bleachy sun. Right. Oh, okay. Right. It's like bleaching the bones of a skeleton. You know? Got it. Right. That's all. So there you go. All right. Well, thanks for opening our eyes, Russ, to uh, yet <laughs> another really Sorry about that. Area I it was of... just like, furries, furries. <laughs> nope. Now I know. You still haven't done the thing on uh, the Star Trek Star Wars people? Star Wars we did. Uh, fighters. You did oh, we did. We did an L.A. Jedi episode. It was uh, early this week. Okay. You guys can watch it if you want. It was totally did, your tip. And did you, like, cite me? Didn't cite you. Did no. you say, like, thanks to Clea? No, didn't say thanks to Clea. He's like, thanks to us. I'm so glad. We just recently found this ourselves, and we'd like to thank everyone. So did you successfully um, win in the battle? Like, did someone actually... Well, I was filming. I was a cameraman Oh, so you didn't get to battle producer. No, my job was to, like, cause trouble and, like, get the people at this playground, which were next to the park where the guys were practicing. Yeah. They're like, well, what do you think about what's going on down there? And they're like, what are they doing? Is that Star Wars? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm like, you want to go down there? He's like, yeah. So I got some random guy to, like, go down and pick up a lightsaber and join in on the lesson with the rest of the guys. Nice. And uh, remember when we were in, uh, we were in North Central Park. We went to a picnic, and there were all these kids that are like ages from middle school to high school that were they were doing like D and D battles, but it was like supervised by like college age or oh, yeah. something adults. And it looked like hey, this when was, I was young, I it was looked like it was a summer camp on let's all do D and D. I was, I mean, D&D live. Yeah, I was, I, I used to do, I did in a couple of Civil War battles. It was awesome. It was like nine or ten, there were these adults who were like, this is really cool, you know, you're this and you're this. And we were like, yeah, we don't care about the history, can I have the gun now? So that was basically our goal. But yeah, I remember doing that. Just wasn't D&D, but you, it was... But you dressed up and um, had, what, like, foam swords? Well, I think basically, I don't think we had foam swords, I think we had a gun. So, I think that's what we got. Oh, right, Fake right, guns, because it was... it was Civil War. Right. As opposed to something involved swords they didn't have swords back then right well they had bayonets but it wasn't quite the same deal okay so i don't know a little disturbing uh did you do anything dorky rest when you were younger when i was younger no my dorkiness really came in <laughs> you really college, grew into your dorkiness as a college student yeah i mean i was a big sci-fi fan i've read like every heinlein book ever written um some vonnegut and but the nerdiest thing that i did was just play video games all the time isn't that nerdy enough? Isn't that enough? I realize yeah, that's I not nerdy. It. That's that's so mainstream. I now. realize it's mainstream, but like at the time, it seemed really nerdy, and I thought that I was, you know, qualified. <laughs> at the time, it made sense. It turned out everyone thing. else was doing the same thing, and I was really just part of the masses. I see. Okay. So this guy is like really, really. This is Abbot Kit Fisto, yeah. the Sith uh, instructor. 
So do you think, uh, so as you were, as you were doing this, I mean, were you impressed with, because one of the things we thought of when we saw the New York Jedi stuff being happening is that, you know, like they had clearly worked on putting it together as an art form. Like they hadn't, you know, it wasn't just, let's well, get it's, around no, it's more, not an art and, form uh, so much as a form well, of or a martial art, or right? As a form of martial arts. It so seemed did like you they get that impression too, or were they basically just trying to, you know, fake it? Um, they were really doing it like it was a martial arts class. It has very little to do with, uh, the lore. Although I guess they all read like these crazy Star Wars books that go way beyond the the bounds of the movies. Right. So they know about all this stuff that we don't know about and all these Jedi from ancient, you know, whatever, the Republic. Let's let's get down to brass tacks here. When are the real lightsabers coming out? The real ones? Yeah, clearly they're they're they've got to they're them. physically impossible because since you're doing a laser, theoretically the laser beam would just go on forever. It wouldn't just stop four feet away from the, the hilt for no particular reason. What I want to know is why are all these people out of shape? These guys aren't. These guys were badass. This guy with the hood and the sunglasses. Anyway, there's a lot of Star Wars that makes no sense. Like, have you ever seen these battles in Star Wars in space with the X-Wing fighters and, you know, the TIE yeah, sure. fighters? That that can't happen. Why not? It's space. They're zooming around like there's air resistance and like they're, you know, coasting and they're banking around turns. You don't bank around turns in space. You just thrust and Rex go in one direction all, forever. getting all specifics about physics. Again. Well, no, gravity. that's not true. You, well, you wouldn't bank, but if you went in one direction and turned around, you would you slow down turn. and go back the other direction. You'd have to thrust in the opposite direction. You can't, like, make hairpin turns in space. Well, you it's could have side, you'd have side thrusters, though. It's not like an F-16 battle at space. <laughs> you just float around like this and you go thrust and then you thrust and look people at home <laughs> this coaster was a saucer say this coaster is a Star Wars it is, it's floats you can't bank because banking implies that there's wind resistance okay. moving the thing there's no okay, banking it's like you thrust but what right? if you have like a thruster here and then it mm-hmm. then you start everything is incorporated well, right. every movement is that's why you have more than there's one no thruster friction. Us. there's no friction you can't have that fight without friction okay so <laughs> you can't have fights without friction there's Greg. always friction in fights <laughs> otherwise like this this is the great Star Wars space battle Battle of of actual physics, be like da 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 but the idea is that, like, clearly, you know, the space shuttle, for example, can travel through space. Like, it it's can able to travel. Off. Yeah, it can't it, fly like right, a his, plane. Right. His point. So is you mean the, that a, the what is it Armageddon, where they actually like slingshot around the moon and then like land on an asteroid using? No, as, that's like, true. Because the difference between Armageddon and The Empire Strikes Back was in Armageddon with the asteroid field. There wasn't a hell of a lot they could do to dodge the asteroids because they were going at a certain v- vector trajectory, and that's it. And like. If asteroids hit them, they're fucked. In Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, Han Solo's like, oh, asteroids. <laughs> you can't yeah, do his that point shit. Is maneuverability, no, 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 no. Greg. He's, he's piloting the Millennium Falcon. You he's can't... not piloting a coaster. Come on! The Millennium Falcon is a glorified coaster. It is pretty much a coaster, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> you walked into that one. But no, like, okay, the, my point is, if you have thrusters on all sides of the ship, right, couldn't you control it? No! The same way? <laughs> Why not? It doesn't bank! Because every action has an equal and opposite Again, reaction. So it would, so, right. issue. so it would work, but it would slow down. Like, okay, you're going in this direction. You put a thruster, go 
Yeah, but there's no banking. Well, it's not like, da, 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 right, da. Just, that doesn't happen. All right, what if you warped around the space, which is what the I, it was principle behind the Enterprise, is that the reason those those pylons are set back from the Enterprise is that they're supposed to warp space. And like almost like you push space together, and it sort of like rubber bands you forward. That's mm-hmm. the basic idea. And this is why Star Trek is based on science, and Star Wars is based on, <laughs> on magical cool stuff. pixie dust. Yeah. I see, I see. That's so, the whole difference between the two. That's why the two clans the people that follow the two fan bases typically don't like each other because that's the different philosophy but they like the same they like the movies there are a lot of star, star trek, trek star wars fans if you have a problem with a device you're like oh better do a level one diagnostic yes number one let's find out if the dilithium <laughs> crystals have crystallized into the fulcrum capacitors <laughs> in star wars when something goes wrong with the computer han solo like smashes the keyboard he's like blam and oh it works like, so he does pull out like a say lots of things like fulcrum capacitor right it must be scientific the geodesic dome is <laughs> compromised. Exactly. Uh, oh, no. Call the Gravitic Drive ape, System. Apeculture.com movies slash Star Wars science. The SW science. It's a paradox. They I talked mean, about I, spacecraft performances related phenomenon. There is no science. They would just float around. It would be crappy. It says space-going crafts wouldn't need wings, though most fighters and even larger crafts in the Star Wars universe appear to be built with aerodynamics in mind. This is not necessarily a criticism, since the designers may have intended the craft to spend a fair amount of time operating in planetary atmospheres. Ah, uh, okay. Still seems odd, though. Much was less reasonable is the fact that Star Wars fighters bank just like terrestrial Thank aircraft when they turn. There's no reason why spacecraft should bank like that, because there's no air to push against. <laughs> Ailerons and rudders wouldn't work. Real spacecraft turn as the space shuttle does, by using rockets or other thrusters to push the craft the desired direction. To be sure, if you put enough thrusters on your spacecraft, you could make it bank as it turns, but it would be a pointless waste of fuel unless you wanted to be cool, <laughs> in which case you would put the damn thrusters on the ship. And now the battle of pointless wasting of fuel. We'll show them how to fake a bank and make it look like an atmosphere. Oh, fuck those Empire guys. We can bank better. Can you Use imagine- all your fuel on one turn. Go. Can you imagine Ed Solo and Chewbacca? You guys remember the fight where they like they have to go like to the rear guns? Like, can you imagine that where they're like, go... It's Thruster number 658. No, I think it's thruster number 357. No, my God. But computers could coordinate it, though, right? Computers could coordinate the thruster blasts. Couldn't they? And then they could shut the ones off they don't need. It's just not reasonable. It's not... It's no reason for that to happen. Well, here it's... um, Greg and I never really got into Babylon 5, but a few of our friends liked it. And here it says that the... uh, that the television series Babylon 5 showed us spaceships that generally move realistically. There you go. Because somebody cared. Somebody um, somebody George cared Lucas. about realism, Greg. George Lucas didn't care. It's the Force. Everything's the Force. Why is it the Force? What, force? what is galling about Star Wars spaceships is that they're asymmetrical. <laughs> that is, they have definite top and bottom halves, which makes no sense at all for spacecraft, even if you accept Star Wars physics. In space, you have three complete degrees of freedom in your movements. This means you can approach ships from the front, back, from the sides, and from above, below, as Clea scrolls way out of my ability to read. Oh, snap. Uh, despite... <laughs> Despite this, you've no doubt noticed that the fighters in the Star Wars movies virtually always attack capital ships from above as if they were terrestrial. Okay, here's the problem with that, though. 
The reason they're doing that is because they're attacking the bridge. They're attacking where people are. Like, the people who control the ship are on the top of the ship. Like, maybe if you were a really, like, clever captain, you'd put yourself in, like, the back third quadrant of the ship. So, But how could Admiral Akbar be like, Oh, stand up against the Death Star, if, like, he was not looking forward in the window? But that makes much more sense that you would attack where people are likely to be. Yeah, but instead of attacking head-on, you could go vertically down towards the bridge of the ship and attack them on the y-axis well but they do do that a couple never, times they never do remember they when han solo like escapes diagonally but well, they never go like yeah that's that's correct when he like he comes right up in front of the bridge and it turns out that he landed on the back of them and he's like uh-huh. hanging out with the garbage disposal or whatever else yeah. right that that also can't happen but so. he wasn't a tech <laughs> <laughs> fire thrust did you notice when the Imperial cruiser, like, dumped its garbage, it, like, fell. It's like the garbage falls down, <laughs> gravity and air and Well, just a little bit, and then it floated. Yeah, floated. It, maybe it was thrust out. It was helium. It's probably it thrust falling. Out. Yeah. Stupid thrust. Look, the point is, <laughs> if you're having sex in a Leia bikini right now, then you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Your whole world is fictional. Well, I guess that, that a glorified does, furry. But that raises a question, though, which is because Russ is obviously a huge science fiction uh, buff, and I uh, like science fiction. I like fantasy more, but I also like science fiction, and Clea likes science fiction. So my question would be, do you guys think that, I mean, does it bother you? Like, did it bother you as a huge Star Wars fan, Russ, when you saw this complete ridiculous physics doesn't work thing? Like, did, did you think to yourself, you know? No, because I first saw it when I was six. No, I'm saying I now, have, like, though. very nostalgic feelings, and I love it because it was cool, and it has a John Williams score. And I decided recently that you could make any movie with a John Williams score, and it That's would do true. really, really well. In fact, they did a study about that. They tried to show Jaws without the music, and people cracked up. Like, yeah. you need the music to make it work. But, so you don't, so, okay, but generally now if you're watching a new science fiction movie if, if it's if not you realistic swap the musical scores of like <laughs> dune and star wars then like one dune. one is the most amazing classic of all time and one is crappy I, I don't think this works all the way it does if you do things like uh say star wars what's i don't that remember thing? i don't Plan remember dune 59? sound effects not being the, the music being that awful i mean it's just certain movies they have very time period scores to the point where once you show it after a few years later it sounds horrendous okay 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 like escape from new york could have been one of the greatest movies of all time but the score was really really horrible um which is with kurt russell where Mm -hmm. the city of new york is a big penitentiary like that could have been a classic movie except it didn't have james horner or john williams behind it and that was the problem so it really relates on the theme you know if they made a movie version of the terrible tv fifth show from the 50s car 54 where are you but they set it to you know on the the superman theme then it It would would be be cool a thousand times better (laughs) do you disagree of course it would be a thousand times better. Uh, i mean better than what like you know it would be better because there'd be good music to listen to but it wouldn't make me think that the people on screen were acting any more than like the dorks they actually are okay so star wars was made in 1977 so what if instead of this classical music composition that they lucked out to be able to he had get the Betty Hill had, theme. yeah or like some <laughs> Bee Gees or something you know it was disco era it was like because it's in Star Wars so you were doing Thriller Star there. Yeah, that's why I realized that and then I was like that's <laughs> yeah. not what I'm talking about so like when Star the- Wars Star Wars <laughs> we don't like Chewbacca <laughs> <laughs> So you're telling me that like when they're on the uh, they're on Endor and like uh, Leia and Han, they could just be like, "How deep is your love? Yeah. How deep is your love? I'm I can going see- to Endor. 
Throw me some charges from that pack. <laughs> Here I comes mean, an squadron of at ats. Well, there you go. And then the celebration music could be like the Saturday Night Fever. You could yep. tell from the way that they blew it up that we do. I don't know how to do it. I'd have Rebellion to think about one, that. <laughs> And yeah. you know, the Palpatine got thrown in a chasm, and he won't be seen because Darth Vader is dead. <laughs> and it's okay. And Luke Skywalker made it away. <laughs> He's like, then I can't hit the higher note. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> whether you're a Jedi or whether you're an Ewok, stand alone. And then they show Kenobi and he's like, more powerful, more, more powerful, more, more powerful. <laughs> I mean. Was John Williams a, a nobody? I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that a good question. Lucas got him. He did a lot well. Back in 1977, everybody was a nobody, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a statement. We didn't become, we didn't become Steve Garvey wasn't a nobody. Steve Garvey was a badass. He's like the third baseman for the Dodgers. Yeah, he, he sucked at movie scores, though. <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, I'm assuming that they didn't have a lot of money to pay for some score, but they just totally lucked out and he saved Lucas's I butt. mean, I guess Lucas did that other movie, that um, the high school movie. THX. Thicks. No, no, American Graffiti, she means. Oh, his student movie was Thicks, was THX, though. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, American but Graffiti. But American Graffiti was fairly well-known, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was kind of an art film, but yeah, it was with uh, Ron Howard was in that. And, and Harrison Dreyfus, Ford. And Richard Dreyfuss playing himself. Harrison Ford is in that? I yes, he that. was. He was the cowboy yep. guy. Oh, That's wow. why they didn't want to cast him in the Star Wars movie, because they thought that they would uh, be like a He's like, no, no, please, thing. please, I want to be typecast as this guy. Can I be typecast as this guy? Exactly. Speaking of which, while we're on the subject, this actually reminds me of something I want to talk about, because you guys saw that there's a new Indiana Jones movie that's coming out next year and starring Harrison Ford. And I was looking at this and I noticed that you guys know that uh, Sylvester Stallone came out with Rocky, like basically the restart almost of the series, Rocky. Did you guys see that he's also doing the restart of Rambo? I saw a poster for that today yeah. walking around he, in the city. And he's not claiming that it's like Rambo 12 or whatever. It's, it's like restarting Rambo. Now, am I... Have they just literally run out of ideas so much that they, and they have literally so few, so little of a career that they have to return to their moment of glory and become the same character? Not even like adjusted or make it, but just be like, no, no, forget that the intervening 20 years, 25, 30 years happened. Here's Rambo. Here's Indiana Jones. Here's, you know, yeah. Rocky again. He's still in Vietnam, but now he owns a small bodega and he sells <laughs> that... trinkets to tourists. I the mean, whole communist takeover really worked out. And he's like specific. 30. How, how, old, how much older is he now? He's like 30 years older. He did, didn't he do Rambo? Well, at, or 20 years older anyway, because he did Rambo in like the mid 80s, right? So he's doing this 20 years later. And he's acting like he's the exact same guy. He makes small porcelain crafts. <laughs> Of AK forty seven, he doesn't have to have like settled down and become like a, a fa- you know a father of no no kids, no. He's but... saying that this is the kind of stuff he did before. He got angry and went oh, to you know oh, went back to. But I mean, can he come up with like? How about if he trains the new Rambo? Like, what about that? Like, or if he you know like why does he have to be like no nothing happened, Adrian? I'm going back. You know, I'm mixing films, but you get the yes, idea. Mm-hmm. Why I don't understand. Why why is this the new trend? Do you know what you guys should check out? What's that? One of this amazing artists that I discovered for Boing Boing TV that we released one of his pieces last week mm-hmm. um he has a video his name is david o'reilly his website is david o'reilly.com he has a video which is entitled son of rambo where he has it's basically like a fanciful journey of some kid who believes he's the son of rambo and like grows muscles and beats up a bunch of imaginary enemies that's what the sequel to rambo should be that's quite sad because rambo sucks that's basically what 
That's what they should release as the new Rambo movie. Well, it's also, I mean, he didn't do that for Rocky. So, I mean... Well, no, but even that, though. Like, that, the whole premise of that movie is that he sees some contest where they put the current great fighter against his virtual fighter, and they're, like, in a virtual fight, and then that interests him. He's like, maybe I'll challenge him myself. And then, like, he, you know, goes and trains again. I know, but what then, I'm like, saying is, is that he didn't do that with Rocky. That's actually what I just said. No, I'm I, saying I, he's doing the same thing. Huh? I'm saying he's doing the same thing in Rambo as he did in Rocky. Da, da, da. He is? Yeah. I thought you said he was doing a prequel. Da, da. No. In Rocky? Da, no, in no, Rambo. No, not in Rambo. In Ra- I don't think so. I think in Rambo, he's just... The point is, he's being the same guy, is my point. Like, he's just like, I will re... Again, here we go again. Like, in other words, he's. Just, it's not even like a sequel. He's just like, I pretend that this... I'm just still Rambo. It's not that he's doing a prequel. <laughs> he's just like Rambo again. It's non-linear sequels. <laughs> exactly. And same thing with Rocky. I'm just Rocky. I mean, like, you know, in, no, fact, yes, in Rocky, he is older. The movie itself doesn't even have a story. It's totally nonlinear. Like, you open up on a shot of Rambo, and he just looks into the camera like, Rambo. <laughs> and then they, like, flash forward to, like, some gunfire, and then he sticks his face into the camera. Rambo. <laughs> it's really trippy. Not only is it nonlinear, it's, it's also Tourette's. It's like exactly. Koyana's Katsi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Kayata's Katsi, but with Rambo. Yeah. Rambo, 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 Rambo. Speaking Rambo. of a movie, which the music for which would really change something if you John Williams would be like, "This is the greatest movie ever." The themes never stop. So look at look at these these great films that John Williams was a part of. Not with my wife. You don't. I passed for white. Nineteen sixty six. Wow. Tony Curtis. I think the problem was that it was still too mainstream to do classical music. So once you juxtapose the classical music with a newer movie, then all of a sudden everybody loved the hell out Gidget of it. Gidget goes to Rome. Uh, no, he mm-hmm. did. Gidget goes yeah. to Rome. I don't think he was a nobody. Daddy's gone a hunting, and then we start getting the movies the that you've ever heard loved of. Cat dancing, Towering Inferno, The Paper. Oh, it's Burt Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, and. Bo Hopkins and who can forget Sutero Garcia Jr. Larry Littlebird. Yes, um, and this is really fascinating, but not really. <laughs> Let's read other titles. So go go back here. He's also done such things as uh, Jaws. Then obviously is his famous one. Then Star Wars: Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Jaws Two, Superman, Superman Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark, e. Heart Beeps had kind of a setback there. Greatest Return of the Jedi. Ever. Indiana Jones, Space Camp. Remember Space Camp? The Witches of Eastwick. Eastwick. Hmm. Born on the 4th of July. How about that? Empire of the Sun. That has your Christian Bale as a young uh, yep. young boy. Yep. Presumed Innocent. Home Alone. Great movie with Raul Julia. One of the Raul. highest grossing films he did, ever. He did Home Alone. He did Hook. He did Schindler's List. I mean, these are some major, major deals right here. Seven Years in Tibet. Amistad. Oh, my God. Amistad. Schindler's List is 93? He did Stepmom. Oh, my God. It's so long ago. He did Minority Report. That was kind of a setback. Uh, Revenge of the Sith, of course. I didn't know he did Harry Potter. Yep, yep. And his last one that he did was Munich. And now he's done all the Harry Potter movies. Is he English? No. Well, then she shouldn't have allowed that. I thought he used to be the conductor of Boston Pops. Thought she only wanted honey. Uh, the, what, are, what are you going to get from the British for composers? Please, the, the British had to freaking import the composers <laughs> as it was. In classical music, uh, they had to get Haydn. I mean, their best composer is like Benjamin Britten. I mean, please, the British are tremendous performers and terrible composers. That's basically the way it goes. He has five BAFTAs, five Academy Awards, seventeen Grammys, three Golden Globes, two Emmys, and five Golden Rings. <laughs> and five Christian. gold. 
golden rings. <laughs> Five BAFTAs, two. Um, yeah, Amaze. he's been awarded several gold and platinum records. Battle of the Heroes, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. This guy's big shot. This guy's got a lot of lot of stuff. Yeah, there. he's got all the magic. Yeah. I mean, you know, put the losers aside. There's nobody that can be associated with that many good movies. He also did the Olympic theme, a lot of the Olympic themes. And let me tell you, as someone who plays trumpet and had to play through that theme, oh dear God. That's the part. You remember the Olympic theme that does the imagine trying to play that when you can't take a breath. Then you get five seconds, and then you can spend the next time sort of trying to you know regather your your breath because you're going while the stupid flutes are doing their five. Doesn't one trumpet start it and then the other one keeps going? You don't have to all do it one person. No, 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 no. What if you get like seventy different trumpets and everyone only does one note? Well, yeah, right. That'd be great. This is like the thruster method. This doesn't sound like I thought it was. Well, we're in space, asshole. Well. In space, no one can hear you sink. Uh, the, the problem, though, is that we would all basically kind of just... You got through it, but it was all sort of like... You know, you'd be like, I got to do the note, hit the note, and then you could hold that, and then everyone was like, okay, thank God, we're back to the Olympics. Up till then, it was kind of like the Special Olympics, honestly. Like, it wasn't really the Olympic like theme. spasming into trumpets. <laughs> and, <laughs> and mo- <laughs> exactly. And most orchestra... You know, in most orchestra cases, the trumpets save the ass of the woodwinds. You know, in most orchestra pieces, you're like... And the trumpets... Who saw that coming? Nobody saw that coming. That's what happens. Like, what's going to happen? You know? That happens, and the rest of the the rest of the instruments are just sort of waiting for the trumpets to save them. In this song, they try to wear out the trumpets so they can't be saved later on by them. So, so good good composer, but my God, so what you're saying is not only are all movies completely reliant on John Williams' music, but all John Williams' music is completely reliant on the uh, the brass. Ergo, you wouldn't have Han Solo without trumpets. It's all about trumpets. Overusage of trumpets. <laughs> Many trumpets at once. Trumpets at once. Lots of trumpets. Well, think about even the even the march. Can you imagine when they're marching down to get the medals? You know, at the end of Star Wars. Can you imagine what that would be like if that was like clarinets? You know, you know, or flutes, <laughs> or harmonica. <laughs> or acapella. These people all sitting around like a barbershop quartet. Oh god, that would be great. Star Wars. <laughs> or actually be this terrible. This is Star Wars. You know, in retrospect, if they should bar wars, <laughs> let Star Wars stay. I know that was great. What was that? That's guy? the Bill Murray, Bill Murray. Uh, nightclub uh, singer does Star Wars. It's so funny. You know, when you think about it, it is hard to see how it is that Star Wars somehow made it into the popular culture without being considered ridiculous to begin with. Like, somehow that just was automatically cool. And I can see a point now where it's surprising it didn't come out and everyone's like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. You know? I'm glad it didn't because it is cool. But it's because of the music. I think that's what we've been talking about. The music did it. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think I told you before, my one of my acting teachers in high school used to know Harrison Ford. And 
when Harrison Ford was at like a party or something, he was saying that he was going to be doing some new movie. And the way he described it sounded like he thought it was just something that was like really weird, funky, you know, probably was not going to come of anything. You know, and I could, I could see that. I could see a lot of them. I mean... Yeah, I spend most of the shoot with the guy in a giant dog suit. <laughs> oh, it's a furry. I love those guys. So... <laughs> like a really tall furry. Is a furry? No, no, he's not. Do you know that that guy, I think, was denied, the guy who played Chewbacca was denied U.S. citizenship for some reason? It's, there was some, like, weird visa thing, and then... Because he's from the Wookiee planet. I don't know. I don't know. It's like something... We don't have good relations with that planet, Greg. Yeah, well, that's... I guess so. What about Lobaka? Lob- we have the same problem. Well, the, the you know, the, a friend of mine and I had a theory that the real power behind the throne of Star Wars was Lobot. Because when he says, you know, we have to do something about the Empire, uh, you know, and he says, you know, we need, uh, you know, we need to do something. And, you know, Lando Calrissian kind of winks at somebody. All of a sudden you see Lobot's eyes flash open in the tower, which indicates to me. Who's Lobot? Lobot's the dude in Cloud City, you know, the guy. With that, the earmuffs? Yeah, with the earmuffs. That guy. <laughs> He's the power behind the throne. Like, you see him at the most important moments. When 3PO gets shot, you don't see Lobot around, do you? That's because Lobot's on the other side. Lobot is unaccounted for. Do you think that Lando swears a lot, and so he was always telling Lobot to put on his earmuffs because he's not allowed to <laughs> hear the swearing? So he no, I think that Lobot is his servant who is not really a servant. I think it's all part of the plan. It's I don't even the, think he needs those earmuffs. Why does he have the earmuffs? Is he like reverse Geordi LaForge? It's to make him look like a robot. I think he's a BS. reverse Geordi LaForge. I think he's deaf and he has like the augmented hearing apparatus like Geordi's got the visor. That makes sense. Wouldn't it be awesome if you had the visor and the earmuffs? You're total like Wouldn't it be awesome sensory robot? deprivation. <laughs> I was just going to say. Or if he had like this whole like mask, you know, like this black mask that like covered his entire face and like. Anyway. So, right. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> and like that was all there was. That would be cool. I would yeah. prefer, though, if it were, like, earmuffs and the visor, oh, and okay. he had some, like, thing on his nose that was, like, digital olfactory receptor, <laughs> and then he had to wear, I can't smell, but I have this futuristic device that I plug up here. I can see the wavelength in your food. Yeah, like <laughs> better if he was the nerdy smell the Terminator. Wavelength. That's what you prefer? That if he was what? The nerdy Terminator. That's that's what you'd prefer. Yes. Also, yes. Like the Terminator with braces. Is the and he'd like stick well, his in Dune, out. didn't they have something on their noses? Who? In Dune? Yeah, they had, but that was like attached to the Fremen had these suits that would like recycle water. And I think that's what it was. It was part of the water recycling suit. So they'd piss into the suit. It would recycle and filter the water and then they would drink it. And it was hooked up to their nose. Which is done to this day. <laughs> By Fremen everywhere. <laughs> Especially um, Wadib. 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 All I remember about the Dune movie, not the book, was the fact that there was this really fat guy who floated around a lot. And Sting yeah, he's was really disgusting. Sting yeah. was in it, too. Sting was one things. of the bad guys. Oh, was he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was one of the Hartunians. Uh, 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 mm-hmm. Oh, did make an impression on him. Like wasn't he kind of like his sass, like they sent him out to Yeah, he was kill. the young, brash, prince, evil, Hartunian dude. So mm-hmm. his job was to go up to them and do what, like... Kill Duke Leo Atreides. Atreides. You don't have to put on the nose plugs. As silly as that was with John Williams' score, it would have been like most popular movie ever. Well, the the lead the lead guy in that um, went to University of Washington, and then we you know what he later did? Sex in the City. (laughs) No. Yeah, he was Charlotte's. Oh, he did do a little bit of, but yeah, he was Twin Peaks. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was the lead guy in Twin Peaks. And then he also did the, that strippers movie that you guys always make fun of. What was it? Striptease? 
the heck is a stripper? That's the one that he... Oh, Showgirls. Lost Showgirls. That's right. Showgirls. He was in Showgirls. Yep, was you're he? right. I never he was, saw that. He was the dude who was the uh, evil dude that she falls for. Mm-hmm. And then he also did that play with uh, Patrick Stewart on Broadway that I went, uh, went to. Uh, which is called... I don't remember. I just remember they, they had them, and then Memory. I waited outside, I and I... Tried, I talked to Patrick Stewart, but he wasn't really all that nice. Suck it. But this guy was nice. That's not really true. You just, you... Shuck it. He just wanted to get to his car, which I don't really, really don't appreciate. You know? Engage. <laughs> it was after you swept the leg. Earl Grey. I did, I did sweep the leg. Calm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was doing, Earl Grey. He Hawk. just kept saying... Can I have your autograph, Earl Grey? Do you think Grey? that's what Hawk. Patrick Stewart does when he's having sex? He's like, calm. <laughs> Make, no, he says make it so. Make it so. Make it so. But the, yeah, he says that to start. He's engaged. Maybe he's really kinky. Number one. Yes. Does he have a wife? Joanna, make it so. Engage. <laughs> Does he have a wife? I don't think he has a number wife. Number one, you have the calm. Haven't there been rumors? Isn't he for like years gay or something? Gay? Haven't there been rumors that he's gay? But calm. It's not true. Or... <laughs> I don't. Calm. <laughs> That's Patrick Stewart. And it gets funnier every time Russ says it. <laughs> calm. Oh my God. So funny. <laughs> I think that's what he does. Great. So now we're going to like spread this. Snopes.com. Is Patrick Stewart gay? I am currently having a disagreement with my SO and his dad about Patrick Stewart. They claim he is gay. What I is say Snopes? Is I've heard of Snopes. What is that? I say that he's Somebody not. Somebody was talking about Snopes.com. Unless, I don't know. What? Unless the paper is an interview of Patrick Stewart stating he's gay, I wouldn't give it a whole lot of credit. People can speculate. Um... Wait, 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 whoa, whoa. They claim that he's gay. I say that he's not, with proof that he's had two wives and, as of 2004, 25-year-old girlfriend. <laughs> they counted with a paper that was written for Penn State, which I guess was written as a thesis paper, which says what? He doesn't even say what it is. is like my master's oh, yeah? thesis Well, here's a thesis paper on... Patrick Stewart is not gay. Patrick Stewart not being gay. The advisors were asleep at the switch on that one. I know. Can I write something about Patrick Stewart not being gay? Well, will you cite your sources? Okay. And now... Princeton University oh, Press oh, presents it. the heterosexuality of Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Clearly, I was one. out to lunch, you know? The hell with liminal space. I need it to be, like, writing on... Patrick Stewart has finally gone public with his relationship with 25-year-old actress Lisa Dillon. Mm. Where are the pictures? Lisa Dillon, hot. <laughs> <laughs> Engage. The two have lived together in a $1.2 million apartment overlooking Tower Bridge ever since... Wait, wait, wait. Go back to when it says... Calm. <laughs> Stop saying <laughs> The couple met when then recent RIDA graduate Lisa appeared opposite Patrick in Ibsen's sexually charged work, The Master Builder, about a man who falls in love with a girl young enough to be his granddaughter. At the time, both were in separate relationships. In October last year, Patrick left his wife of three years, TV presenter Wendy Aww, Noyce. Lisa man. broke off with her boyfriend. And then, as life imitates art, Patrick Stewart then fell in love with a girl young enough to be his granddaughter, and they now live together in an apartment. That's <laughs> Wow. He left his wife of three years. Yeah, that's not really that impressive. Like, his wife of 50 years. His wife of three years. You're like, oh. Yeah, he was already 70. He's my wife of three years. I've had 20 wives of three years. <laughs> <laughs> what does this matter? Starting at the age of 10. Yes. Russ. That's Patrick Stewart, man. Early marriage. Let's get yeah, but this is his ex-wife. Who cares about his ex-wife? We want to see the hot 25-year-old wife. It's like a lot of... Aw, she seems like a nice person. Yeah, but she's old. She she's like, like 35. Show us the 25 <laughs> His old wife is 35. We need the He upgraded to the new model. Person. What's the 2007 model look like? I don't know. I'll have to see. No pictures of Lisa Dillon on IMDb. Well, you know, that's... You can put it into Google's. How about Google Images? There you go. That's what you want. Google knows who Lisa Dillon is. Lisa Dillon Images. Make it so. Engage. Go... Lisa Dillon. 
There we go. Let's see. Five foot Very three. Very average looking. Five foot three? Totally average. No, she's fairly attractive. No, she's just has had money spent on her. She's still full. He, he looks she's pretty She's certainly pleased. a great deal He's younger. Like, Notice my granddaughter. Make it so. Engage. Here are the Patriots. The Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> the Patriots and my young bride. Undefeated. <laughs> Try to defeat either New England or this hot 25-year-old actress that I have procured. Come. <laughs> Keep switching between Lisa Dillon and Corey Dillon. Do you know what that means when I say it means I just came? Come. I can command my penis at will. I- Come. I did it. This is not look that funny. Look, Engage. it's BAFTA again. BAFTA comes back around again. You gave BAFTA such a... BAFTA is the one where. Hey man, we should check this BAFTA out. I keep slamming my head into the microphone every time I try and look at. The, I'm like, what? Ow! It's all on camera. I'm a moron. I know it's right. You see Russ doing this? Russ is drunk. So wait a minute. He could have like maybe found me attractive. I was like third. I mean, I'm not 25, but I was still. You're not 25. He was I was still too old. Not only that, you didn't star in a sexual play about someone who falls in love with someone who's 25. Cleamus and Farley, you have become. <laughs> Make it so. Uh, Energize here me was. now. Come. <laughs> Can we make a soundboard of Patrick Stewart's aims <laughs> and just play different combinations? Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, she's really not that that impressive. She's her impressiveness is in her vast. She has age basic. Wait, wait, scroll down. She has basic certification in stage combat, BASSC. Plus, she does tap, modern jazz, flamenco, and period dance. Yes, other piano ex- and violin, grade five. Other experience, grade five. She's experienced horse rider. Yeah, I'll bet she's experienced. I'm going to do more quotes because we're on camera. Get on this horse. Engage. <laughs> so what do we make of the fact that Patrick Stewart has done this and left his wife for three years? Has he properly upgraded as he should? File for divorce, number one. Maximum warp. <laughs> so I see we're not going to get Russ uh, out of this. I guess uh, what we're trying to say <laughs> is that he's not necessarily a good person, he, but he's a good actor. My voice carries too much weight for one wife. I require many. <laughs> Make it so. Right, so he's been... Because he, it was his third wife, so he's... There are four wives! <laughs> <laughs> How many wives, Picard? There are four there wives! Are four wives! <laughs> there are five wives, Picard. <laughs> four wives! <laughs> <laughs> I think with that we did it out. So we're I don't gonna think people have, will know that reference. It's from uh, one of the Star Trek episodes. You have to watch it. It's where he's being tortured. Isn't it from the movie? Yeah. No, it's from Star oh, Trek. Four so. lights, four wives. I married four. <laughs> We want to thank you guys for listening um, and watching us do the show, MepReport 100. And we want to ask you guys to please spread the word, get in touch with us. We're going to be around, obviously, we hope for another 100 and 100 before that. And right around MepReport 1000, we'll have Russ's nano machines all set. So we should be uh, all Welcome able to, to do Welcome to MepReport 1000. <laughs> I am Lobot. <laughs> so we want to thank you guys a lot, and we will talk to you guys soon. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. Uh, happy all that stuff. Happy New Year. And uh, we'll catch you guys soon. Say goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Russ do, do something crazy. We're on cam. You know, this is where we go freak out. Because it's over. Goodbye, everybody. What did the Mets fans do in 86? They did this thing. Oh, great. What is that? Remember that they did this in 1986? Don't you remember this? No. So they, they called traveling on their team? They were furries, and they were all... It's like they... Um, Put on that chipmunk suit engaged. <laughs> I cut a hole in it. Earl Grey hot. Come. <laughs> the proceeding was a presentation of the MEP Report, hosted at www.mepreport.com. All rights reserved. In no way should any part of this show be construed as an invitation to buy, sell, or trade flightless birds, or reassemble Voltron. Or at least not the stupid one of the cars. Please support the MEP Report by voting for the show at www.vitalpodcast.com, adding the show to your list of favorites at podcastpickle.com, and clicking on the Vote for MEP link on the MEP Report homepage to vote for us at podcastalley.com. Email us at Greg, Russ, Story, or Andy at MEPReport.com, and call us and leave a voicemail or a fax at 206-600-MEP1. That's 206-600-6371. And finally, please join the fight to stop the senseless farming of emu plants. It's immoral, it's unethical, and frankly, it's just a little bit gross. Tomorrow's just another day away.